Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hey, everyone. Today, my guest is Marjorie Anderson, author of La Clave, a Spanish translation that presents teens with basic financial knowledge and life-changing know-how tips on how to manage money to make the most of their income to build a successful future. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Marjorie. Marjorie Anderson is a native Virgin Islander, retired bank executive, co-founder, and former executive director of the Greater Philadelphia Minority Business Strategic Alliance. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from Morgan State University, a Master of Science in Management from LaSalle University, and is a graduate of the Wharton School Management Program of the University of Pennsylvania. Marjorie currently lives in Liberty Hill, Texas. For more information about Marjorie and her work, visit her website at challengeforteens.com. Hi, Marjorie. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you so much, Sherry, and thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you get us started by telling our listeners a little bit about your book, La Clave? Absolutely. So La Clave is the Spanish translation of my book, The Key, Wise Money Choices for Teens, which teaches teens and young adults and parents, for that matter, how to wisely manage their finances. Wow. So what inspired the idea behind your book and why did you decide to tailor it for teenagers? So actually, my grandkids, I have five grandkids, and they were the ones who actually inspired me to write this book. At the time that I wrote this book, they were like in middle school, elementary, and junior high school. And so I wanted to leave them something that they could use for the rest of their lives, Hmm. an inheritance, if you will. You know, the Bible in Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Mm. And so most people think of money when they hear the term inheritance. And since I don't have millions to leave for my grandkids, I thought, (laughs) why not give them something or leave them something, the knowledge, so that they can one day earn their own millions or maybe even billions. Yeah. And there's also an old proverb that says, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, but teach a man to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime. I hope that my grandkids and all who read my book will apply the lessons and eat for a lifetime. Yeah, that's a great idea, too, though, because, yeah, everyone does think of money automatically when you hear the words inheritance. So I love that. Sure, sure. I love that. Yeah. Sure. So why did you decide to release a Spanish version? Well, first and foremost, the subject of money management or personal finance, to be more exact, is not being taught in our high schools. Mm -hmm. And so when I published the English version, The Key, I was thinking mainly of my grandkids and the English-speaking population. Mm -hmm. However, being a resident of Texas, I realized that Texas is a hot spot for the Spanish-speaking immigrant population. And these people, immigrants, attend schools, and they also work in Texas and in the United States to make a living. 
and they don't understand how the financial system truly works in the United States. And so I also believe that all high school students should be taught money management skills, just as we teach our students English, math, history, social studies, and other subjects, so they can apply the lessons and skills to their personal goals. It shouldn't matter whether you speak English, Spanish, French, or any language. Mm -hmm. Money slash credit is the universal language, and that's what drives our world's economy. Yeah, and you hit on a note about our children don't really learn anything about money in high schools. And I mean, I know of several kids that have graduated from high school and and don't know how to write a check. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, as I said, I use my grandkids, the oldest one. He was a junior in high school at the time I wrote this book, and he's now a college graduate. And he knows all about money management, so he has no reason to tell me he doesn't understand it. Because I used him as my sounding board when I wrote this book. And he majored in guess what subject? (laughs) Finances. (laughs) Finance. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Amen. So really, that's what inspired me to write this book. Yeah. So do you feel like young adults and teens are more susceptible to getting in trouble financially? Absolutely. Definitely. I believe that, you know, young adults and teens get into financial trouble at a very young age because they don't have the experience. They lack financial discipline and they lack the knowledge about money management. You know, they think they are savvy or they're wise because they have a card, but they really don't understand the ramification of using those credit cards. Mm -hmm. And how can they, since they are not taught these principles, financial principles in high school? The credit card companies are literally throwing their plastic cards at these young teens and college students, for that matter. And if they, the teens, are not financially savvy, as I said before, which most are not, Mm-hmm. They will spend money they don't have and end up in debt and damaging their credit history for years to come. Yeah. Now, credit history, it's kind of a two-edged sword because you need to establish your credit. But I guess doing so without the financial educational background, it really does put you in a bind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, most people would say that you need credit in order to get credit. And if you don't have credit, you know, that you're lost. But I say this. I said, you need to have the knowledge first. I want you to understand how it works. It's okay to have credit. Don't get me wrong. But I want the kids to be disciplined and knowing how to handle the credit. So if they learn the lessons that I'm teaching them in this book, in both versions of my book, sure, you can have a credit card or sure, you can go out and get credit. But don't just go and get a credit card and mess up your credit history for years to come. Right. LaClave also mentions including charity in their budgets. What is the significance behind this practice? Well, you know, as you probably know, charity is a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. In, in the book of Acts twenty thirty five, Paul was speaking and having uh, the readers uh, recall Jesus's word when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I believe that giving back to your community, whether it be your church or a favorite charity uh, of your time, your money, your talents, your gifts, your skills, should be included in your budget, you know, so that when you're asked to give, you don't have to say, well, I wish I could, but I can't, because you've already budgeted, just like you budget for your bills, you have already set aside some funds to give. 
And, you know, you never know when you may be at the opposite end of that podium. So it's good to uh, practice charity even in your budget. Yeah, yeah. And another benefit is, of course, you get out of it what you put into it. And it's kind of like tithing, you know, uh, when you tithe, you give 10% and it all comes back to you tenfold in one way or another. Amen, amen. Yes, tithing, you know, it's also biblical principles as mentioned in the Bible that you give. And in 10%, you know, people squirm and they complain. But if you budget for it, this is the point I'm trying to get across. Just like you budget for all your other expenses and expenditures, budget for charity or your tithes. And then it won't be a pressure when the time comes for tithing or even for, for giving, you yeah. know, to the needy. Yeah, and that's just a good practice for growing up and becoming a, a decent, uh, respectable human being as well. <laughs> amen, amen. It's part of the principle of developing a, uh, as a person, you know, as a good person, whatever, how you want to define that term, good. Right. <laughs> so how can Hispanic parents benefit from reading La Clave? Well, actually, Hispanic parents can benefit from reading La Clave, just like English-speaking parents can benefit from reading the key. And that is by discussing the lessons with their teens as a family, much like other families do with their kids at the dinner table. And also, parents should encourage and hold their kids accountable to their financial budgets, plans, and goals, even discussing about college how are they going to finance their college education? And if they have these kinds of conversations on a regular basis, it would become something that kids are aware of. And the Hispanic parents can participate because they have the book, La Clave, in Spanish that they can reference. Mm-hmm. How is La Clave presented or laid out for teens to use? Like, do you have lesson plans? Do they use it as a workbook? Can you talk us through a little bit of that? Okay, sure. So my book has five chapters or lessons. I refer to them as lessons. And basically in those lessons, you have topics, you know, whether it be finance, whether it be uh, budgeting, and whether it be um, giving back to your community, etc. And at the end of each lesson, there are questions and answers that will stimulate the discussion. And I think this is so good because the parents can use those questions to start a conversation with their children or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And teachers can use this book as a supplement, too, because the questions are there. And so they can stimulate these conversations. And that's the way I laid it out as if it was kind of like a school book for students to uh, be able to digest it a little bit more easily rather than having it like a really financial book. It's very lightly written and it's done purposely so that kids can really enjoy it and understand the concepts right. of the book. Right, because, yeah, nothing sounds more entertaining than finances. <laughs> I know, I know. They shy away from it. Numbers, finance, budget, no me, not me. But we all need it, and that's the problem. Right. They don't, most kids and most people shy away from finance, but it's part of our lives. We need to embrace it. We need to understand it, and it won't be such a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Now, our Reader Views Kids Reviewer, I believe she read the English version, But I wanted to quote what she said because I love it. She said, although much of the book covers basic financial information for true beginners, the book also includes unique tips for keeping track of money that I've implemented in my life. For example, Mrs. Anderson advises those who are compulsive spenders like me to use a simple envelope system to separate money for saving and spending in order to visualize spending. 
Why is visualizing your spending so important? Okay. And first of all, I wanted to uh, just comment on the fact that the reviewer mentioned that although the book covers basic financial information for true beginners, well, I think many people who are going to be reading my book are true beginners in the sense of understanding or lack of understanding how the financial system works and how money works. So it's written purposely in a simple manner so that kids, because remember my audience are these young kids, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. from 13 to 18 and 19 and even beyond, you know, preteens, so that they can understand what I'm saying here, the concepts. So why is this so important in terms of keeping track of your money? The envelope system, as I mentioned, is a manual or visual way of helping you keep track of your spending and developing control or discipline. For example, you might have five different envelopes that you uh, have a budget for each month. And within those envelopes, you label them, whether it be entertainment, whether it be uh, gas, whether it be uh, food or clothing. And there's a certain amount of money you would budget each month and put in those envelopes. It's like an account. Mm. And when the time comes for you to spend or, or to purchase something, you go to that specific category or that envelope to take the money out. And if the money is not there, then you cannot buy that item. And I think this is what helps someone to visually um, see and understand, gee, you know, it's not like I'm using my credit card way. I don't understand what I have or don't have. You might think you have this money in your credit card, in your account. And by the time you withdraw some money to your debit card, it doesn't show up. And then the next day you see you're overdrawn. But if you have these envelopes, you can see right at the get-go, either you have it or you don't. Mm. And if you don't, you just cannot buy or spend those funds for that particular item. And I think sometimes just having the cold, hard cash in front of you through these envelopes helps you to visualize exactly how much you're actually spending. It's a good way. And I've used it with my grandkids in the past myself. So I think it's a manual way, but it's a good way to start. Not everyone needs to do that, but it's a good way to start. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of puts a concrete value on the money, so to speak. And it's not just a, exactly. a fictional, oh, it, I can just it's put it on my credit card. designated yeah. funds for specific purposes, yes. Yeah, oh, I love that. That can help a lot of people with debt resolution, too, it sounds like. Amen. <laughs> Adults <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what advice can you give to young adult teens about managing their credit once they establish or begin to establish their credit? So, you know, what I would tell them, first of all, to remember your spending habits can affect you well into the future when you may need or wish to purchase a car or smartphone or or even a home later on as you, you know, may get married down the line. And you may not understand how credit is affecting you in the future because you're young now and you don't have many expenses at this current age. So my advice to teens and young adults is to, first of all, stay away from having or using more than one credit card at a time. Mm. I have two credit cards total and I don't need any more. I keep one for big purchase items or when I'm traveling and I have a secondary one that for, you know, emergency kinds of things. But I use my debit card for everyday purchases. So I will tell young adults in terms of helping to manage their credit to use your bank debit card for everyday purchases. And when and if you do use a credit card, repay the balance in full 
when the bill comes out, when it's due. And only use your credit card, if you have a credit card, for big ticket items, as I said, I use mine for traveling mostly, or for furniture or maybe a computer or something like that. You know, don't pay the minimum amount that those credit card uh, invoices or bills suggest because you will be paying your credit card bill off and it will take you years to repay that full credit card debt. So budget in such a way that when the bill comes, you can pay it all back in full. It gives you a good month to pay your bill. So, And even if you can't pay it in one month, at least in two pieces, but don't take forever to pay your bill off. That's my advice. Stay away from using too many credit cards. Have one. At this young age, you really don't even need a, a big credit card. We, we alluded to earlier that you need to have established credit, so you need a credit card. But you can also use your debit card to show your, your habits in terms of how you manage your account. Most banks can give you a printout of how you spend, whether you overdraw your debit account, even though it's money that's in your account, you can still overdraw your debit account or debit card. So, you know, stay away from having too many credit cards. It gets you in debt. You know, use the envelope system, as we mentioned earlier. Stay away from credit cards. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to fess up right now. When I was younger, I got into some credit card trouble. And I sure. mean, it took forever to pay off because, like you mentioned, don't pay the minimum. You cannot mm -hmm. expect to pay off your credit card if you only pay the minimum. It's just no way. There's no way. Uh, and no way a... it's interest upon interest you know it's no way so yeah i yeah. agree if nothing else that they remember when you if you have a credit card and you're going to charge something in the first place plan on how you're going to repay that debt that credit card bill before you use it and try to pay it off in two installments or automatically when the bill comes due. me when i take for example when i, I use my card for vacation I really, at this stage in my life, I'm retired, so I know it's a little bit different, but mm -hmm. I use a card because, it's, to me, it's free money, free in the sense that I have the money already set aside in my savings or in, in my checking account for that vacation, but why draw that out when I can use my credit card and continue to show the history of my credit card? But when the bill comes, I just go and pay the credit card bill off. So, you know, I have an excellent credit card rating. I'm sorry to say my husband is not the same because he is compulsive, you know, and you need someone who either can use the envelope system or can manage credit cards. But don't give my husband, I know he's going to shout at me for saying this, a credit card because he will say, let's use the credit card. And I'll say, no way, it's not in our budget. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's yeah. funny you know you have to be disciplined that's the bottom line and right. i'm someone that i don't have to have everything that i see and i don't get too enticed about you know gadgets and clothes and sneakers i'll treat myself to something nice if i can afford it and if i can't i'm not going to get myself in debt I feel much more comfortable. Some people, you know, enjoy the gratification of enjoying new things. But what happens when the bill comes, mm. you know? So I don't want to have to worry about a bill that I don't have the money to shell out. So um, I'm very wise. I try to be cautious and uh, frugal about how I spend my money. Right, right. Now, you have also a website and resources available for teens and parents. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. My website is challengeforteens.com. 
challenge, C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E, the number four, teens.com. And actually, there's a list of resources in the back section of my book, either the key, which is the English version, or La Clave, which will be coming out soon for anyone who needs this information. And so after reading the key, which is the English version, you can take a test on the website, via the website, www.challengeforteens.com. You'll see the icon test. Click on that, and it'll take you to the test. And if you pass, you can automatically print a certificate of financial literacy, mm. and which certifies that you are, in my opinion, a financial literate teen. Now, the Spanish test, I'm working on uploading that to my uh, website, and that should be uploaded by the end of the summer. So that will be on the website as well. And you can also go there and take the test and print a certificate of financial literacy if you pass the test. And if you don't pass, you can retake the test again so you can pass and get that financial literacy certificate. Oh, that's nice. So what else do you have on your website? Do you have a blog with tips and such? Well, yeah, I have taught quite a few classes on this topic, personal finance for teens. And so each time that I do a class or teach a course, I have those uh, blogs or promotion on the site. So someone can go there and see the types of sessions that I've given in the past. I have also uh, traveled to my hometown in the Virgin Islands and was a guest speaker at the uh, commencement. This was the before the actual graduation. They have an um, honors night, and I presented a copy of my book to the valedictorian and salutedictorian of my high school class in the Virgin Islands. Oh, and that's also on my website in the blog form. And I have a few other um, interviews that I've done. Uh, like I'm doing this one, this is a podcast, but I've actually done one or two interviews and you'll see those on my website as well. So take a look at the site when you get a chance and scroll through some of the blogs. You know, they might say 2018, 2019, but um, there will be some current ones going up as soon as uh, La Clave is published. Okay, great. So what do you like to do outside of writing? What are some of your other passions? Uh, yes, uh, outside of writing, just so you know, I've also published a book. It's my memoirs, really, and it's called The Time Has Come. I've dedicated uh, a chapter of my memoir book to my parents and each of my siblings. So each of my siblings has a chapter in my book, but it's not for the public. This is just something that I always wanted to do to capture my view, my feelings, and how I see each of my family members. And so that's something that I've given uh, my family as a gift for each of them. And of course, you know, when you write a memoir and you mention family, there's always someone who disapproves or objects to something you say or don't say. But I qualify each of my statements in the beginning that this is my interpretation. This is my vision. This is how I see you. This is how I felt. This is how I, you know, observe. So if you want to correct Anything I've said in my memoir, you should write your own memoir and correct (laughs) it at that point. But, um, you know, Sherry, to be more uh, candid, I'm a very spiritual person, and I don't see another book on my radar at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't know what may happen down the road. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see uh, where God leads me. But I am very active in my church, and I lead a weekly prayer ministry when I'm not writing And I also enjoy reading and, of course, traveling and exercising at the gym. I exercise like five, six times a week. Uh, Nothing heavy, just to keep my, my, the joints moving, keep the blood flowing and, you know, do what the, the doctors recommend. So that's become a habit for me. And I'm glad that I 
become disciplined in exercising because I faithfully, uh, you know, try to get into the gym at least four or five times a week. Yeah. So, I mean, that gives you a little bit about what I do. And as I said before, I lead this weekly prayer ministry for my church. And we're doing it by Zoom. You know, when the COVID-19 started, we had to switch from being in person to the Zoom prayer mm-hmm. meeting. But it's working so well that we might even continue to, to do the weekly uh, prayer ministry via Zoom. Oh, but wow. yes, I enjoy praying. I pray for our church, our friends. I pray for people in my community, uh, anyone who has a need and ask. Oh, if I know of, I pray for our state, our country, the world. There's so much unrest, hate, and just misunderstanding mm-hmm. in our world today. And I believe prayer is the ultimate answer. So that's what I focus on, you know, prayer. Yeah, well, that is time well spent, whenever. Is there anything else you would like to add today? Well, you know, I have in my thoughts, maybe of someday opening up a bread and breakfast in the Caribbean. I am from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I frequently travel there. And it's something that's been on my mind, and we'll see how it goes. And if I do decide to open that up, I'll certainly post it on my website. So when you travel uh, to the Caribbean for vacation, you can stop by and you know, have some breakfast at, at my Caribbean spot yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when it's open. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, Marjorie, thank you so much for joining us today on Inside Scoop Live. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know more about you and your work. Thank you so much, Sherry. The pleasure is all mine. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I want to thank you for having me. And I pray that, you know, whoever hears this podcast and gets my book and apply the lesson, I promise them that they will be blessed financially forever, and may be able to eat for a lifetime, not just for a day. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Marjorie Anderson, author of La Clave. For more information on Marjorie and her work, visit her website at challengeforteens.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. <laughs>